Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Sports Radio 610 presents Seth Payne and Sean Pendergast. We coming to H time. Let's get the work in, man. Let's go. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Happy Thursday to all of you. Nice to be with you. We are day four of our spring training spring training trip. Yeah, easy for me to say. Uh, in um, Lake Worth Beach, otherwise known as the suburb of West Palm Beach, Florida where we are at Astros Spring Training, and it's great to talk to you on a Thursday morning, heading to a game today with the Cardinals and the Astros uh, this afternoon. I am Sean Pendergast. He is Seth Payne. Big thanks to Shoppa's John Deere for bringing us down here. Good morning, my friend. How are you? Good morning. I got, I got a little disoriented when you said that we were uh, in Florida because I've been reading about the Combine all this morning. Yeah. And, I, and then I was reading about weather in Houston. And uh, so I'm, I feel like I'm like a rock star, Sean. I don't know where I... Just waking up in a city. The steel horse I ride. Don't know yeah. what city it is. Speaking of which... Yeah. The steel horse I ride. Yeah. Supposedly John Bon Jovi was at the game yesterday. I heard that. The Astros game. Yeah. We're not sure. Yeah. Brian McTaggart saw him from across the way. He had mm-hmm. his binoculars and he, and, he, and he said, is that is that John Bon Jovi? And I didn't have binoculars. Um, so I had to I take McTaggart's word for it. Yeah. I can't get a straight answer out of him either. So I don't know if he confirmed it or not. If, 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 he, if he was there, he blended in pretty well because it's not like there was somewhere we go, oh, there he is, that big crowd of 30 people between the ages of... 40 and 65. It would have been in uh, one of those suites over there, so yeah. like across the way from us. But it wasn't, I mean, it's, he's a pretty distinct looking guy. Yeah. If you, if you can get up close enough to him, but otherwise he's just a, he's a, just like a, like a normal dude, right? His, uh, I mean, he's got, he's got a, he's got a unique hair situation going on. He, he's, he's yeah. got a hair situation that belies his age. Right, I mean, he's an older guy, but he's got like young hair, kind of like you know. Yeah, but it's always been fluffy. Yeah, it's always been even when even when uh, everybody's hair was fluffy, it was fluffier than most. Yeah, his son played safety at Notre Dame, so he was at a lot of the Notre Dame football games over the last several years. Yeah, oh wow, yeah, yeah. I knew John Bon Jovi was into football. I didn't know his son was. His son was a good athlete. Yeah, maybe maybe still is. Yeah, was he was he a starter? No, I think he's like special teams guy. You know, like but probably. Probably. Nice donation of the program. Yeah, who kid. cares? It's good for the squad. <laughs> yeah. Good buzz for the I would, team. I would hate it if I were John Bon Jovi's kid and I actually sucked at football, but I got a scholarship <laughs> to Notre Dame. Yeah, like back to school when Rodney Dangerfield's kid got on the diving team. Oh, <laughs> kid can dive He was a crap. weasel, too. I know. Oh, he wasn't yeah. even a likable kid. I know. I was like, oh, Rodney Dangerfield. Jason, that was a, yeah. I would get a paternity test on this one. For sure. Oh, Dangerfield and that kid? Yes. That's yes. probably one of the worst things you could tell your kid. What's <laughs> I gotta tell you honestly, 
I'm gonna, at, the, at the age of 21. I like, yeah, think, uh, let's get a paternity this test. This thing's man. played out for two this decades is, now. This isn't working out. i got to validate yeah. what I've been thinking all these years. Now, now that I'm not legally responsible for you anymore. Um, so uh, the game yesterday, uh, the Astros, we got to see uh, a tie in a baseball game yesterday. Yeah. A 4-4 tie. I was confused. <laughs> I, I, I'll be honest with you. I was confused. Seth stayed waiting for extra innings. <laughs> I got that. Is he going to come out to the car or not? No. He's waiting for extra innings. Yeah. Um, Hunter Brown. Are we concerned about Hunter Brown? Hunter Brown, 32 <laughs> pitches, 16 walks. He was all over the place. Gave up no hard contact, yeah. but he also couldn't find the plate to save his life. No, I'm not concerned about him. Okay. I, was, uh, uh, I, I enjoy you continuing to react to spring training games like they, like they matter. The guys in the afternoon show yesterday were like, how do you guys keep from overreacting to things? Uh, Brandon Scott asked me when I was yeah. on with him. He said, how do you keep from overreacting to things? And I said, yeah. I'm supposed to keep from overreacting to things? <laughs> I'm in sports radio. I'm yeah. supposed to overreact. I, yeah, I don't know. I've, just, I've heard every single time. I've ever heard any pitcher talk about spring training after a, after an incredible a pitcher could for whatever reason go seven innings pitch a no hitter and afterwards he'd say like ah you know we were just trying to work on a few things here no, I, likewise if he gets shelled it's you know they'll they'll be honest about what the actual what process they're going yeah for. yeah no and Hunter Brown kind of said that yeah. afterwards I threw a few sliders I was hoping guys would swing they didn't swing at them I, I guess I would say that oddly enough. If guys are giving up like hard contact, then I'm not as concerned because they're probably experimenting with some stuff and it's yeah. just getting hit. Hunter Brown's a guy who's who. When we talked to Spolane yesterday, like, what do you want to see from Hunter Brown? I want to see him throw strikes. He was not throwing strikes right, at right, all yesterday. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? I guess yeah, if he's working on his slider, though, like inher- and they didn't swing inherently at it. you're going to be out of the zone. Well, oh, yeah, and inherently yeah, you're not you're not going to throw as many strikes. So I, I, you know, like when Lance was. Lance was developing any number of his pitches, but his changeup, I remember in particular one year, he yeah. was, he was like, teams were getting a lot of production off of it, but he was really happy with the progress he was making on yeah. his changeup, and it ended up being really good for him. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, look, I'm not, I, I, I slept fine last night, just so you know. Like, it, I'm not that concerned. I think that, no, because the day before we'd seen Luis Garcia, and you're nervous about him. See, I don't think you would overreact to any of these guys and how they're adjusting to the the rule changes. Yeah. So with Luis Garcia, if he'd gotten up and really struggled, then I think you could say, oh, cool, boy, I hope I hope he's not having issues with his windup. Yeah. And it was the opposite. So clearly, he's not having any issues with his windup. It might end up being even better for him because he's not doesn't have as much motion to get screwed up beforehand. Um, but with Hunter Brown, he's a young guy that yeah, you want him to come out and look like vintage Verlander. Well, and and I think I think the injury to Lance McCullers. Yeah. It tamps it up at least a couple notches on the importance of Hunter Brown. I mean, that's just, that's undeniable. That's just that's just math. Yeah, you know, yeah. Jose too. So, I mean, like he's another one because of the rule changes and the fact that he hasn't been hitting the ball well at all. I mean, at least he made. Con- first, yeah, he did. first, his first game, he struck out three times yeah. in a row. Yeah. This game, he had three. Well, he got on base once off of an error, but yeah. it was soft contact. Yeah. Um, every single time yeah. to, to like dribblers to third or a little, uh, little bouncer to third. It was, uh, it was, it was not impressive. You and I were both at his, we went down and talked to him in the clubhouse yeah. when he was done. Then for those who don't know, they, they let you, when, when guys, certain guys in these games are done playing, they make them available in game. So you, so during the game, we're literally walking down to the clubhouse yeah. to interview Hunter Brown. When Jose Altuve was done after four, five, six innings, whatever it was, they, they send you a text or they send somebody up to the press box and they say, hey, 
Jose's going to be available in, in 10 minutes. So, go, so we go ahead down there. We go in the clubhouse. You and I were both down there. We both posted video of it. Um, or you posted video. I retweeted your video. Um, did, did he seem agitated over the, uh, the pitch clock rules? I thought he looked uh, – you know, Jose Altuve is someone who never really shows agitation. I, and He seemed a little agitated with the rules. You thought he was 100% agitated. I don't know. He's never, like, really – verbose when yeah. he's talking to the media he I'm, doesn't I, give long answers i'm 100 sure he was at least somewhat agitated he's not happy with yeah, it yeah, yeah 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 but i guess the the interesting question is okay what are you guys going to do when you get to the world baseball classic and those rules aren't in play and uh, you know he, he said he's just gonna i think he said he's gonna keep doing it but there's no clock to actually stick by it but i think that's where I, maybe that'll actually be good because he can practice doing his expedited routine, but without the pressure of the clock. He, it looked like he was trying to, he was trying to finish fiddling with his gloves and everything, and be back with his feet in place with ten seconds left on the clock. Yeah. He has to be up there by eight, so yeah. he's giving himself two seconds grace period. Yeah. And then, as you noticed. He's not lifting the bat until he's cocking. He's not cocking the bat like and, and getting it in that you know kind of waving it back little, yeah. and forth until the pitcher gets into his set. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So he's, he seems to have be he seems to be dialing into a routine a little bit. Yeah. So that's. Uh... But his answers were very short about the pitch clock. Like they were each like three words long. Like, give it some time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we we'll yeah. wait and see. <laughs> I, like, I, mean, okay. I guess. Yeah. What's he gonna say? There, I mean, because everybody's resigned to it. It's not going to change. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing. It's it's going to be there. So there's not really much you can say other than that. Like, yeah, I just got to keep going at it. Well, and I asked him, I said, is there any way that you can simulate it or, yeah. or practice it outside of games? Or is it just live at-bats? He said, it's just live at-bats. You just got to keep getting at-bats in games. So so that's where we are. He so. could be doing it in his, um, in his rental or wherever he lives in spring. Get training. a simulator? Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, he should just be at this. I mean, or at the simulator. Yeah. <laughs> Um, as far as other things from the game, Ryan Presley didn't look great, but that's, you know, again, like you said, I'm probably overreacting to something. Jeremy Pena struck out on the, on a pitch clock violation. Yeah. <laughs> How about that? Pena has, he's made good contact. Um, yeah, made, not, not worried about it. He made him. better contact in the first game, even though I'm, I'm sure his numbers aren't great right now. He hasn't had a boatload of hits or anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm not worried about him with the pitch clock. He did better than Correa. Did you see Correa yesterday? <laughs> yeah, he was dancing around. He, well, Correa he forgetting there was a pitch. Correa walked away from the plate, kind of just casually, yeah. and then remembered and, and jumped back in. I kind of I was hoping he was going to get a hit off of it because that then that might have to become his routine. Yeah, yeah, that might be kind of unsettling to a pitcher to to feel like you know to, if I were Correa, this is what I would do. <laughs> like this is so easy to do. I would vary up at what point I sprinted back to the plate. And sometimes I would make the pitcher think that I was going to be late. I would give myself like a half second that to right a, before and then j- a, jump back that in. That is a chess game you're playing yeah. right there. All right. Um, we are off and running on a Thursday. Again, thanks to Shoppers John Deere and Academy Sports and Outdoors for bringing us down here to Florida so we can bring spring training to you. Uh, as Seth mentioned, the combine is going on. Drills start today for the combine. Defensive linemen and linebackers, so obviously there's some potential future Texans that are going to be running around in shorts today up in Indianapolis. But the big story yesterday, Jalen Carter, the potential number one overall pick in the draft, had to turn himself into police back in Georgia over the drag racing incident that ended up killing a teammate of his. 
We learned some things yesterday about this. Where does this sit right now as far as Jalen Carter's draft stock goes? That is next. I also want to get into uh, what you would wear if you were turning yourself into police. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas, Phoenix, and Rhode Island jam like you're all in the same garage. Get Cox Internet powered by fiber with America's fastest download speeds. It's Internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, always building better. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial connection. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions may apply. Analysis by Ookla speed test intelligence data. Fixed median download speeds. USQ3 2023. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Shoppers John Deere presents live from West Palm Beach for the start of spring baseball. Thanks to Academy Sports and Outdoors, it's Payne and Pendergast on Sports Radio 610. All right, the big development yesterday came in the final hour of our show out at the Combine. The big development in the NFL draft was potential number one overall pick, Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle out of Georgia. Uh, warrants issued for his arrest for his role in a drag race that ended with a teammate and a Georgia staffer being killed in one of three cars that were drag racing. Jalen Carter was driving one of the three cars, and he went back to Georgia. He was supposed to meet with the media at the Combine yesterday. He was getting an MRI when this news came down, and he ended up leaving the Combine, going back to Georgia to turn himself in. He issued a statement yesterday. Uh, Jalen Carter did, and he said, the morning, This morning I received a phone call from the Athens, Georgia Police Department informing me of the two warrants issued against me for reckless driving and racing. Numerous media reports also have circulated this morning containing inaccurate information concerning the tragic events of January 15th. It is my intention to return to Athens to answer the misdemeanor charges against me and make certain that the complete and accurate truth is presented. There's no question in my mind that when all the facts are known, that I will be fully exonerated of any criminal wrongdoing. This is what we learned yesterday, Seth, from the articles that, that emerged on this incident uh, back on January 15th. Yeah. Among the details that, that have come out is that when the car crashed that 
killed the, the two people. There were two people in the back as well who survived the crash with major injuries. Um, Carter left the scene. Jalen Carter left the scene and came back a couple hours later. Um, Carter had multiple stories about where he was relative to the crash at the time of the crash. At first he was saying he heard it from an apartment complex. Then he was saying, I was behind them. He was saying at times I was alongside of them. Apparently there's video footage that shows the cars drag racing with each other down in Athens. Police did say that they don't think Carter came back to the scene two hours later. Police say that they don't think Carter was impaired, that he was drunk. So why did he leave for two hours? I think is a fair question to wonder. Um, so there's there's still a ton to unpack with this. Right, thing. right, right. But yeah. that's where we are right well, now. Well, and then, then I guess I mean the big thing is they've they have the two people that are in the back seat that presumably have been questioned pretty thoroughly about it. I would think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't I, like whatever comes out from his side of it. You will see because you just you just flat out never know until you you get both sides of the story. I guess the biggest questions I would have if I were a football team, yeah. uh, thinking about taking Jalen Carter are a was, you know, is it a pattern of behavior? Cause like sometimes like people make stupid mistakes. Good people often make stupid, stupid mistakes, uh, especially when they're, they're young men. Um, so it was a pattern of behavior. And then the other part of it is, especially when it comes to leaving the scene, like, was there, was there a moment where he could have offered aid and just took off in a, in a act of self-preservation. And then even then, is there like any genuine remorse over the death of the two people? Mm-hmm. You know, like, which is a pretty awful thing to have happened. And yet he moved on with getting ready for the draft and, and you know, didn't fess up or anything or in, as of now hasn't accepted any responsibility. Those are the, those are the hard things to try to judge. Because teams, teams have a high capacity and tolerance for guys who have screwed up, but there's some guys that are just bad dudes. You know, There's some guys that you can tell there's just their soul is dark and they just they don't give a damn. And then there's other guys that just genuinely care about people. Like, look at Michael Irvin. Michael Irvin has screwed up a whole bunch in his life, and yet people will swear by him. And, you know, what a great guy he is, what a great teammate he is, all that. But he just, he, you know, these latest accusations notwithstanding, whatever the hell's going on with that. But largely, you know, with a lot of the stuff that was most notable with Michael Irwin, Irvin, it was stuff where he was, you know, arguably harming himself yeah. more than others. Yeah. Where if, you know, if you're a dude that harms others, then that's, that's where teams don't necessarily want you on their squad. Yeah, yeah. I, I think if I were an NFL team, the things, I mean, obviously I'd be concerned about the decision-making, right? Like yeah. you're getting into a car and you're drag racing. That goes without saying. As far as like once the tragedy occurs, the leaving the scene would be concerning. As you point out, the lying would be concerning to me. I mean, he's got multiple stories of what happened. So not they, they can't all be true. He, he, you know, like, so that that's concerning. That's a lack of... It shows that shows a lack of intelligence, a lack really. of creativity, it's at the very least, or a steadfastness. Yeah, at the, at the very least, keep a consistent. If you're going to lie, man. stick with one lie. Like yeah. I told you that's why parents get frustrated. At least I do when my when my young child was just such a horrible liar. I was like, gosh, if I be better, I could just ignore this. If you would just, if you would just have be better, any, be one bit adept at lying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I don't know. I, you know, Leonard Little was maybe the worst example of a guy that like killed a killed a woman he was drunk driving yeah um 
it, which was a, a horrific, awful mistake it, for which I think he felt genuinely awful. And I think people really respected Leonard, Leonard Little um, as a person. And he ended up having more chances. You're giving a look. Got a, I, no, no, no. I'm not giving you a look oh, at all. Okay. No, no. I, he's got a Super Bowl ring that he won yeah. after the accident. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah no, no. Like, so on. it's not like you can't come back from these things. I mean, he actually hit somebody. That's That's... It's a lot worse than drag racing and yeah. the person that you were drag he racing with. He killed that person. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. person had no choice in the matter. Right. We're here, okay. It, it, like, obviously, there's way more to this story, but it wasn't like it was Jalen Carter, um, you know, imposing violence on somebody. Right. Yeah, to our knowledge, he didn't run them off the road. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and then you mentioned Dante Stallworth, and we were talking about this before the show. Like, yeah. that's another example. Like, somebody who, yeah, he, he, he hit a homeless person with his car. Uh, he came back and played. Yeah, whatever I, happened with that though? Was he found? I don't know. Because the guy, it was like in the guy wasn't like in a, a crosswalk or anything. I remember that being a. I, a I don't know the details. Situation. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm going to keep pressing you for details. <laughs> yeah, I, well, you'll need, you I'll need time remember. to wiki it. I need the details. Yeah. Oh, you have to answer my question. What did? Uh, what would you if you had to turn yourself in for a crime like Jalen Carter did? For an alleged crime, yeah. What, uh, what would you wear? Button-down shirt, sleeves rolled up, uh, jeans. <laughs> sleeves rolled up. Like, sleeves mean, rolled up, like, like just like, yeah, like not casually. rolled up, not okay. rolled up like Fonzie with a okay. cigarette with a yeah. packet of cigarettes. I'd wait till I got to prison to put the pack of cigarettes in the <laughs> sleeve of my t-shirt. You'd wear jeans though, huh? Yeah, I'd wear jeans. Jeans and a button-down shirt, untucked. Hmm. Ain't nothing but a thing, man. Oh, okay. Like yours is like casually. Yeah, rolling. I'd wear what I'd Why wear on a normal wear, day. Uh, I feel like you should wear. I would wear a suit with no tie. Yeah, that's what you would wear. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like a suit no tie gives you the it gives you the most potentially most respectable appearance, and yet without looking like a definite white collar criminal um, okay. who nobody likes at all. Mm-hmm. You're, rather, you're you're never going to be more despised than as a white collar criminal, what, and rightly so. What pushes scum. it to being a, a definite white collar criminal? The tie, the tie. Gotcha. Yeah, that's okay. why you don't wear the tie. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, I'd I'd, I'd want to be comfortable. Uh, well, I mean, you're getting if they're going to take you in, you're yeah. going to. You're going to be wearing your, your prison gear after that. After that, yeah. yeah. But if I, but it's it, in some ways it's if, if I did what I if if I did what they're accusing me of, yeah. this is a little like my last meal. This is the last outfit I'm going to get to wear for a while. I'm going to be comfortable. You know what I would do? Yeah. Um, if they were going to incarcerate me, yeah, I would wear something two sizes too small as motivation ah. for for while I'm in. I'm like, yeah, you know, if I'm going to be in here for nine to twelve months, <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead. By the time I leave, I'm going to look dapper as hell with this suit that. Fits. That's true. If you're famous. Then they're going to take pictures of you, and you want the pictures to look good. Right, right. Yeah. But so on the way in, it'll shame me. Like I'll be, I'll yeah. be like, oh, yeah, I look awful, and then I'll remember that for nine months. Oh, I see motivation. Well, yeah. I lose weight, yeah, and then also, um, you know, become a king um, in the jail. <laughs> right, you get your own currency system going yeah. with cigarettes and things like that. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'll have a good seven or eight shoved up my butt. Like uh, right, I, I'm not going into prison right. broke. I'm going to have some currency to begin with. I'm anxious for this Jalen Carter thing to play out over the rest of this weekend with the Combine and see what people are saying by the end of the weekend about this. Yeah. I, like, and, and see what he's – like, he's turned himself in. Like, now what? Like, this is a it's, – this is a it's a big thing, man. It affects the Texans, too, uh, at the top of the draft here. Yeah, because the uh, – if there's only one marquee defensive player, then there's more – Less incentive for the the Bears. There's the trade out. Yeah, yeah. Like I hate saying this is a great thing for the Texans, but like if we're just looking at it strictly as a draft thing, it's not a bad thing for the Texans. All right. Um, D'Amico Ryan's made the rounds yesterday. Met with the media in Indianapolis. 
uh, did a sit-down with John Harris and Mark Vandermeer. That's where we learned that D'Amico Ryans is bringing something back that we have not had in a long, long time. And no, I'm not just talking about joy. I'm talking about something else that was a staple of the preseason. That is next. Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. Shoppers John Deere presents live from West Palm Beach for the start of spring baseball. Thanks to Academy Sports and Outdoors, it's Payne and Pendergast on Sports Radio 610. All right, D'Amico Ryans was making the rounds yesterday. He was awesome. He was really good in his media session. We'll get to some of what he had to say to the national media at the Combine. Um, We have not had joint practices with another NFL football team in the preseason since before COVID. I can't remember if they had them in 2019. I remember them at the Greenbrier in 2018 because that's when the Patriots came to town. Uh, But then COVID hit, and there's only like 10 people allowed out at practice. And then David Culley didn't do joint practices, and then Lovey Smith didn't do joint practices. Neither of them wanted to do it. D'Amico Ryans was on Texans All Access last night, and they asked him, are you bringing back joint practices? Oh, yeah, I'm all about joint practices. I think joint practices are awesome because you get a chance to go against different schemes. Mm -hmm. So for our defense, like our offense will go against us, and we're a four-down team primarily. Mm -hmm. Our offense also needs to see looks versus a a three-down team, right? So to provide those different schemes, different personnel, like guys need to go against another team and joint practices, and it breaks the monotony of camp of just beating up against each other all the time. Breaks the monotony for us, too. Yeah, it does. And it does. it's true. The more you go against the same guys over and over again, the less progress is made. You get, you get really good at stalemating that guy. You know, and, and, and you're not, your weaknesses aren't necessarily exploited as much as if you see a diversity of guys. The, the offenses and the defenses start to get to know each other's tendencies. So I, I always liked it a lot, and especially for what D'Amico said, it breaking the monotony. That makes a big difference. Um, one of the reasons a lot of coaches I've seen start to say that they don't want to do combined practices is because uh, because it's too often that fights break out and then you gotta then you gotta cancel the practice altogether. Which to me, I like. I don't think I'd ever say that out loud because it's just an admission that you have no control over your team. Like oh, like I'm like ah, I can't. I can't bring. The, you imagine me in like a second grade teacher. Like oh, I can't. I know all the other. I know all the other classes are going on the field trip, but I have zero control over my class. Yeah. So I'd prefer not to go on the field trip. Yeah. Yeah. Um. It. It's. Uh. I think it would make it hard to. Not hard, but like if you're only practicing against yourselves, you're hindering your evaluation. If you're a general manager or a, a personnel department, like because yeah. you're you're not. You're seeing the same thing every day, you know. And there, there's no mixing in of other guys. There's no mixing in of, of, of guys with the motivation of going against another jersey. That yeah. kind of thing. Like it's just it's one more data point, a good data point in evaluating guys. It's, especially, sometimes teams fool themselves into thinking they're better than they are, and it's really good. Like as an offensive line, you might be going against guys that are either mediocre defensive linemen or. They just might not match up great against your offensive line. 
And then uh, all of a sudden, and you know, the preseason doesn't necessarily tell you a whole lot, like always. So it's one more sample size to, to realize, oh, wow, our guys got their butts kicked up and down the field for four straight practices by this team. We, we got to account for this. We got we to gotta have a, a plan B for where we thought we were with the offensive line. I actually blame the lack of joint practices. As we're talking this through right now, Seth, I yeah. blame the lack of joint practices the last two years in me betting the over on Texans wins, over four wins two years ago and over four and a half wins this past season. Oh, yeah? Yeah, because I'm not getting a good gauge. It's Texan on Texan violence. If they had just gone <laughs> against, like, the Lions or something yeah. like that, I, I came out very optimistic in the preseason the last couple of years. Especially in a preseason game where, let's talk about just pass blocking in general, like a true pass blocking snap where it's a definite passing down and a, uh, offensive lineman is one-on-one versus a defensive lineman. In a preseason game, especially these days where you don't get that many reps out of your starters, you might not really get that many pure pass rushing reps. Yeah. And in a, in a practice, you can get 20 or 30 uh, you know, in the, uh, against some good non, non-teammate guys. So, um, yeah, I'm really glad they're doing that. I am glad they're coming back. That's going to be good. I hope they're, I hope they're at home. Uh, it, when they uh, when they do them, so um, so that was the the big reveal yesterday on Texans All Access. Um, the staff is staying, the coaching staff is staying back in Houston during the combine. This was a uh, this was an issue of of great consternation on the station throughout the week. The afternoon guys thought that this was a really bad idea. You made the case yesterday that it makes sense to leave the coaching staff. Back in Houston at the Combine, D'Amico explained further yesterday what they're doing back there. Right. Our coaches are back. They are going through uh, their scheme. Coaches are implementing schemes on the offensive and defensive side. So they're going through scheme work, but they're also evaluating free agents in the process as well. So we've talked about, you know, our profile of players that that we look for. We've went through that process. So offensively and defense, we know the type of guys that we're looking for. So our coaches are just combing through to make sure there are a lot of great free agents out there, but every free agent isn't for us. So we want to make sure we get guys who are scheme fits and guys who fit exactly what we want them to do. Yeah, and um, I think that's a big, a big timing consideration for a team that's still trying to figure out exactly, you know, trying to teach everybody the scheme, get all the coaches on the same page. The more imminent challenge is free agency, more so than the draft. So you're under time constraints, and if you want to start evaluating free agents, I would much rather have all these coaches who are working on a compressed time schedule looking at the most imminent, the, the, the first, the, the first uh, challenge you're going to face as opposed to trying to do it all at once. And you can start negotiating with other teams' free agents a week from Monday, yeah, March thirteenth. So it's coming up quick, and because uh, your personnel people already have tabs on all these guys, you've got your pro personnel people yeah. that have been evaluating guys constantly. You have your, and they know which guys were going to be free agents for the most part. Yeah, um, you know the college scouts are doing the really the meat of the work right now. Yeah, and the coaches can jump on to the college prospects after that. So it it does make a lot of sense. You know, they might change that next year. I think for right now. It makes the most sense. The other thing, the other thing that I don't need, and I, I thought of this yesterday when we talked to McLean about what the media presence is like at the combine. Now, McLean said that the first year he went to it, I believe he said there were seven media members. I there. asked him that again yesterday yeah. on the podcast. It is seven, yeah. And now there are over a thousand. Yeah. Like honestly, I don't need my damn assistant coaches politicking. Yeah. 
and or possibly saying too much to all these media that are just lurking around the bars. You're and creating points of failure by yeah. bringing them with. Yeah, yeah, and that's, I like all these assistant coaches are trying to get on some bloggers' next hot coaching candidates list. That's just true. Keep them away from it. Yeah. There's, there's too much temptation from these, uh, these nefarious media types. Here's D'Amico Ryan's yesterday on um, – take a listen to this. This is him talking about the first several weeks of working with Nick Casario. Yeah, it's been awesome working with Nick. I mean, we hit the ground running. It hasn't been many breaks or much rest, so we've hit the ground running. Just and Nick has been awesome to work with. Nick is a very knowledgeable guy, right? And I'm happy to be, I'm happy to be a part of a team that has a GM in place who has so much experience, right? So much to a guy that I can bounce ideas off of. He's seen it done many ways, seen a lot of different players, and just having his knowledge and his experience has really been very beneficial to me. So I'm, I'm excited to work with Nick, and it's been a, a very smooth transition, smooth process, uh, communication. It's been awesome working with Nick, and we see the game the same way, which is, which is great. Right? We see the game the same way, see players the same, so it's uh, it'll be it would be really nice uh, to continue to work with him. This might be the thing that if we, had, if we had a time machine and we could play cuts for people from D'Amico's press conference yesterday, but it, we're playing it for them like three months ago, that yeah. kind of thing, this might be the most surprising thing. And I don't, think, I, I don't think it's Nick's fault really at all. I think it's more based in perception of this team over the last couple of years, the Patriot perception, which honestly, other than Rex Burkhead being on the team and touching the football – there's really not much that's happened over the last couple of years ago. Patriot this, Patriot that, Patriot. Right, right. There really hasn't. And, and I think hiring D'Amico is the big signal that maybe that was overblown. You were the first one that pointed it out to me and on this show weeks before they hired D'Amico Ryans. You thought the two of them would work together really, really well. Yeah, yeah. They, and, and clearly that's the case right now. I, with, with D'Amico, and much like with Nick, I, I don't – it's interesting. I don't – like, for the life of me, I, I just don't see where people get the notion that Casario is arrogant and comes from. Because um, I, I don't read it that way at all. And maybe that's just my blindness or something. Uh, I, I honestly feel like with both Casario and with D'Amico, there's a willingness to set aside all of the non-essential things and just really focus on the things that you should focus on. And I think that those guys believe that the things you they, they agree on what you should focus on um, and it sounds simple enough but it's really really hard to do with D'Amico there's a certain um, it's a non-reactivity in his personality which is a good thing it sounds like a bad thing but it's actually a really really good thing think of like all the think of like the the movie stars and action heroes or anybody like that's a hero in a movie think about what happens when uh, like when they face imminent danger they just like stare stone faced at the dude that's threatening to kill them. Yeah. They take like three extra seconds, make a decision, and then say something. I'm always very impressed. I, by yeah, that. <laughs> as opposed to like you know what a sports radio host might do <laughs> when he sees something he doesn't Start like. Start peeing. <laughs> no, but like so non reactivity is a very strong sign of yeah. being in control and and having very good confidence, but also not being swayed by really the things that don't matter yeah. um, or by things that are threats, but you just got to be sure you assess the threat. Yep. And, and it's something that, you know, I saw, I've told this story about the time when he was just a rookie and uh, you know, how calm he was when the veterans were yelling at him. 
And, and I think when there was difficulty in that first season, he was very calm about it. I've heard other people, and Mike McDaniel made reference to it. I forget the phrase he used, but basically talked about his ability to handle some of the, the drama that comes with running a football team. You know, and you see that as a position coach. He, like, D'Amico has that. And uh, so it's a different personality type than Nick, but they both are just kind of unwavering and trying to keep focused on the things that really matter. Do you remember what you yelled at him about? Yeah, he couldn't get the play call out. Gotcha. Because he was, uh, he didn't, uh, it was his first day calling the plays in a new offense. Give the kid a chance. First day. Nah, you know what? I'm going to talk to him about it next time I see him. <laughs> I'm still, uh, I've been crediting. Are you, are you worried? I've been, cre- I've been crediting him with uh, handling the criticism <laughs> and getting yelled at well. But now, now that I think about it. This is why he needs an old head yeah. coach with him on the sidelines. I take back all the positive things I've said about him. I don't know if he's got the medal to be a head coach now that I think about he it. He found it somewhere along yeah. the way. Uh, all right. This is a good cut right here. This is the one where you and I were sitting in the press box at the Astros game yesterday. And I'm listening while we're up there i'm listening to D'Amico's press conference i'm like oh this is an eye-opener right here for what might have been with the texans uh a year ago here is D'Amico on kind of his journey and what he learned in san francisco through his rise as a coach being with the 49ers was i couldn't have asked for a better start on a coaching journey like kyle has been outstanding into my development as a coach He's, he gave me an opportunity as a QC to come in and just truly learn what coaching is truly all about. I thought I knew, I thought I could just come in and just start coaching right off the bat, but I, I'm very thankful for Kyle, right, teaching me that you have, you can't miss steps, right? So you have to go through every step if you want to be a, a great coach. So going through that QC phase, the linebacker coach, like hitting every step, that was the most important thing I could have done to allow me to be in the position I am right now. So definitely thankful for Kyle, thankful for John and the 49ers for the opportunities that they provided me and being able to to move up in an organization, such a first-class organization and everything that they've done with the 49ers. And I wish those guys nothing but the best. As I'm listening yeah. to that 50 seconds worth of a QC, by the way, is quality control. It's, a, yeah. it's, it's an entry-level job in coaching. I'm listening to that yesterday, and I turn to you. I'm like, as we're listening to this, I'm going, they almost hired Josh McCown right. a year ago. skipped every single skipped step. Skipped every single one of those steps. D'Amico just, said, D'Amico just said is, they were essential to yeah. being who he is. Well, and that's the part that I just couldn't get about Josh McCown. And it made – I understood – I understand the philosophy behind it. And, you know, like, like I appreciate the outside-the-box thinking – but it was, it, it was like it was outside the box thinking taken to an extreme, where like Josh McCown had no way of like knowing what he didn't know, you know, like it's you. D'Amico, I'm glad he said that he felt like he could have at the time. He felt like he could have just stepped in and coach because I've been playing this position. I know, yeah, but you, like playing the position, I probably I probably would have felt the same way um, when I was done playing. But playing the position is. Not nearly the same thing as coaching a position, especially like within the context and framework of an NFL team. So as you, as a quality control coach, you're doing all these things where you're... Yeah, what do those guys do? You watch... Well, for one, a lot of it's just kind of menial. Like you're, you're holding the cards at practice for the scout team, you know, and telling guys what to do, which is challenging because you got to basically... You got to coach 11 dudes on a defense that isn't their own 
uh, in like 30 seconds, yeah. and you're going to get screamed at. If you, good practice. Tamiko probably didn't get screamed at. But, um, but you got to get those guys lined up and tell them what their challenges are and focus and everything. So that's tough. But also a lot of it is just breaking down film and charting plays. You're doing it where you're noting all 22 guys, like with – you know, with detail, what are the offensive line splits? How far are the wide receivers split out? What's the depth of the running back? And it's a lot of stuff that D'Amico would have known from film study already, but to actually have to plot it out and to do it with different defenses too, where he's going to have to he's going to have to chart out different defenses and see how different teams do it. You just see everything from a different perspective um, than you ever have before. And then being a position coach, same thing. All the challenges you face that. You know, it's it's easy to be a smart guy that shows up at clinics and has a good way with kids. But like any any coach or teacher listening right now knows it's a whole different deal when you've got like it's on you and you got and you've got a, a season to try to help all these different kids get all better them, and face yeah. the challenges. It's just you don't know until you go through it. And I like McCount had never been through any of it, not to mention the hours you work and just kind of getting like, you got to learn how to cope with that. Imagine, like, the stress that a head coach is under. Like, but also with sleep deprivation, those hours, all that stuff. It's just, I, I don't, I, maybe, maybe it would have been a stroke of genius to Josh McCown, but I just don't see how you justify it. Yeah, well, I mean, and I, you know, it's funny. When I was listening to that cut, first name that popped into my head was actually Jeff Saturday. You know, yeah. and, and you can see how things played out there in Indianapolis. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. We almost had our own Jeff Saturday yeah. Well, <laughs> Josh McCown. And there's a part of it, too, where, you know, it, it's, you've got to command not just the respect of your players, but you've got to command the respect of your assistant coaches. Yeah. And it's really hard. Um, you know, it's hard to do that if you haven't been through the same process, I mm-hmm. think. And, you know, D'Amico would have had more. If, they, if somebody had tried that with D'Amico, at the very least – D'Amico is actually a good NFL player, whereas Josh McCown yeah. wasn't even a good NFL player. Right. Which doesn't matter, like, because you don't, like, like, again, I don't think you have to be a good NFL player. If anything, I prefer the guys that weren't that good a lot, uh, like, on, if I have no other thing to go on. Yep. Because those guys are deeper thinkers. But if you're going to step into a role and command some respect with zero pelts on the wall, I don't know how Josh McCown would have impressed the guys that had been grinding away for years and years and had actually coached before. All right, Payne and Pendergast with you. We're live in, uh, in Florida, spring training, uh, thanks to Shoppa's John Deere for bringing us down here to Florida so we can bring spring training to you. In fact, let's circle back to that. Day, day three of our stay here was yesterday. We got to see Hunter Brown pitch. We'll give our assessment of that. Jose Altuve, we'll hear audio from Jose Altuve what does he think of this pitch clock? How long is it going to take him to get adjusted to it? What can he do to get adjusted to it? And uh, another Dusty Baker update on Jordan Alvarez. So some Astro talk as we're here live at spring training uh, in Florida. Payne and Pendergast, stay there. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.